It's Daily Thunder, the truth of Jesus Christ dished out live every morning from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado with a bit of manly grit and gusto. Find out more at live.ellerslie.com. Now, here's Nathan Johnson. Uh, Well, if you have your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 1 is where we're at. Ephesians chapter 1. And just for note, uh, there's no keynotes this morning, so I apologize for those who want keynotes. But uh, my plan is in the podcast downloadable section, uh, there will be notes for this morning session if you want to have the notes. So we don't have one, but I'll give you the other one. So uh, again, Ephesians chapter 1. Just as a quick review, uh, the... Ephesians is split into six chapters, or at least we have it in six chapters. The first three chapters is all about your position in Jesus Christ. And Paul just goes over, overboard of this idea that you are to be seated in Jesus. That you're not to get up from that position. Your position is to be seated smack dab in the middle of the person of Jesus, which is just phenomenal. And then chapters 4 through 6 is the outflow of that, saying, okay, if this is your seated position, what does that look like lived out down on your streets? What does it look like in your family? What does it look like in your church? What does it look like down at your job? What does the life of Christ within look like every moment of every day in your life? That's chapters 4 through 6. Now, today we're entering in, um, in probably one of my favorite sections of the book, at least for this week, uh, is, starts at verse 3, goes down to verse 14, which is the blessing section. Uh, and All that Paul is doing in verses 3 down to verse 14 is talking about the blessings that we have in Jesus Christ. And they are phenomenal. And I encourage you to be reading through that uh, as we move forward here. Now, just to kind of give you an outline of what Paul is doing in verses 3 through 14. uh, Verses 3 all the way down to verse 6, Paul is talking about the blessings that we have in the Father. And then verses 7 down to verse 12, he's talking about the blessings we have in the Son. And verses 13 and 14 are the blessings we have in the Spirit. Now, it's interesting as we're going to be walking through this over the next few weeks, you you realize that even though we have the Father blessing section and we have the Son blessing section and the Spirit blessing section, which is really phenomenal in my mind, what's interesting is every single blessing finds its fulfillment in one place, which is what we're going to talk about today. So even though there's a whole bunch of blessings listed Every single blessing finds fulfillment in, in one single place. And we'll talk more about that in just a few moments here. So again, verses 3 through 6 uh, is the blessings of the Father. And by the way, just for fun note, at the end of each of these sections, the same statement is made. And so you kind of see how the, these sections are broken up. For example, in verse 6, at the end of the Father section, it says, To the praise of the glory of his grace, which he graciously bestowed on us in the Beloved. Uh, At the end of the sun section, verse 12, it says that we should live for the praise of his glory. And in verse 14, the the end of the spirit section, it says to the praise of his glory. So you begin to recognize that every single blessing then that Paul is articulating in verses 3 through 14 finds its fulfillment in one place, but for a specific purpose. And that purpose is for the praise, the renown, and the glory of Jesus Christ. In other words, the blessings that you and I get to partake in is not so that we go, oh, I'm blessed. The, every blessing that I get, to, I get to experience is so that then that turns and gives God glory. Isn't that interesting? In other words, the blessings is not a selfish, oh, I get a blessing. This is a, oh, I get a blessing, but why do I get the blessing? For his glory. So that he can be seen. So that his name is renowned. Uh, so that he would be lifted high 
which I just think is kind of neat. Now, this morning, what we're going to be doing is focusing on verse 3 specifically. And I just want to read this to you. This is Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. That's what Paul says. He begins and says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Let me read it again. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. You realize that blessings in Scripture are really significant. And there's probably a lot of depth to this uh, that you can study out on your own. But isn't it fascinating that in Genesis chapter 1, God creates humanity. And the very first thing that God does after he creates humans is he blesses them. Now, let me just read this to you. This is Genesis uh, chapter 1, verse 27 and 28. It says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. But did you catch it? The moment that he created them, the very next statement says, Then God blessed them. See, blessings are really significant. Uh, You look at the life of Abraham, and God gives Abraham a phenomenal blessing. In fact, it's interesting that the blessing that God gives Abraham is a blessing that is beginning to be passed down. For example, Abraham gives the blessing that God gave him to Isaac, and then Isaac has this blessing that he's going to pass off to his son. Now you see this wrestling match between Esau and Jacob. That Jacob esteems the blessing. He esteems the birthright. And Esau just kind of despised his birthright in the blessing. And that there's this slight little war going on that Esau should have received the blessing. But Jacob says, no, 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 I really, really want that. And he goes after it. Why? Is it, was, just, was it just some good words that Isaac was going to pronounce on the kids? See, there seems like there's something far more than that. Why? Because blessing is significant. Uh, as, as you continually walk through Scripture, blessing just keeps showing up over and over and over again. Uh, maybe one of my favorite stories of blessing. Uh, here's this king by the name of Balak. And uh, the Israelites have been wandering the wilderness for 40, you know, they're in the wilderness this 40-year time. And Balak says, I, I just do not like those guys. And I want to pronounce a curse on the Israelites. So he goes out and he hires this prophet named Balaam. And Balaam shows up after this funny, funny experience. And Balaam finally gets there. And Balak says, I want you to curse the Israelites. And Balaam says, well, I'll, I'll do my best. But I can only do what God allows me to do. So he goes off and prays and goes, all right, I've got the curse. I'm ready to go. And he opens his mouth. So only speaks forth blessing. And, of course, Balak goes, um, excuse me, I did not pay you to pronounce blessing. I paid you to pronounce curse. And, of course, Balaam goes, I'm so sorry. I'll, I'll try this again. He goes back and spends time with God. Comes back and goes, all right, I've got, I've got, to, I've got to figure it out now. I'm going to pronounce a curse. And he opens his mouth and out comes blessing. Isn't that awesome? Why? Because this seems to be significant. Uh, even, even the birth of Jesus, what you begin to see in the birth of Jesus, is that in the birth of Jesus, here, here's Joseph and Mary, they come into the temple, the, the temple courts, and there's, there's this man by the name of Simeon, and Simeon finds them and goes, Whoa! He's the one I've been waiting for. God promised that I would not die until I see the Messiah. And he only picks up the baby and pronounces a blessing upon him. See, blessing seems to be very significant in Scripture. 
And isn't it phenomenal that Paul is articulating the blessings that you have in, in God? That it's like Paul says, hey, there, there's a blessing that God has for you. That God is pronouncing blessing. And again, this is not just, just some words that is being spoken. That this is significant. And God has given you a blessing. So listen to this verse again in light of this. Again, verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Uh, you'll notice in verse 3 that that word blessing shows up three times in this passage. Now, you know as good Bible studiers that any time a word shows up in a kind of a condensed section of Scripture, it's there for emphasis. Right? In other words, when, when, you, when you hear something being repeated, it's there, it's, it's, it means it's important, it's significant. Uh, for example, I can prove to you biblically, I think this is really neat, I can prove to you biblically, no matter what you were taught growing up in Sunday school, I can prove to you biblically that God is not holy. He's not holy. I can prove that to you biblically. And I don't care what you were taught in Sunday school, God is not holy. God is not even holy, holy. Do you know how holy God is? The only way to describe the holiness of our God is to have a triple reputa- uh, rep- rep- repetition of the word holiness. That God is not holy. He is holy, holy, holy. That's like really holy. Why? Why, why, do, we, why do we say it three times? It's there for emphasis. It's there for significance. So it's, it's fascinating to me then when you come into the verse 3 that the word blessing shows up three times in our passage. Now, for all of you grammar nerds out there, this is, hey, please stay seated. This is going to be really exciting for you, okay? But for you grammar nerds, one of those words, blessing, is an adjective. One of them is a verb, and one of them is a noun. It's exciting. Please contain your excitement. I just want to walk through them with you really quick. Uh, the first one that shows up is obviously the first verse in, in my translation. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, the word there, blessing, is actually two Greek words put together. Uh, it's the word you, which has this uh, idea of good, and the word logos, which is the idea of word. In other words, it's good words. In fact, our word eulogy, it comes out of this Greek word. Uh, what's a eulogy? Oh, someone dies. And uh, now that they're dead, we can finally say good things about them. So, hey, you know, Chuck, Chuck was a great guy. We really liked him. He was wonderful. Yeah. And it's sad that we don't, you know, we wait till he dies for, you know, for us to say these things. But, you know, but, but that's a eulogy. We're saying good things about somebody. Do you realize that that idea, which is often translated, by the way, in Scripture as blessed or praise, that that idea here in the passage is God is that, that God himself is blessed. And it's interesting that in the New Testament, every time that word shows up as an adjective, it only ever describes God. In other words, the only one who ever is fully blessed is God himself. Now, we are blessed because he blesses us. But the one who is blessed himself, that's, that's God. Does that make sense? In other words, I'm not intrinsically blessed. I'm only blessed because he gives me blessing. But he himself is blessed. He has blessing. He has, he has it. And in the New Testament, he's the only one who has blessing. So again, this idea of praise or this idea of blessing, you, you realize it's, it's the good words being spoken. But in this case, 
Even the greatest superlatives fail to, to, to grasp or to enunciate the richness of our God. That when you look at who God is, he is blessed. And you, you begin to realize that it's not something that he has. It's just, someone, it's just an aspect of who he is. He is the blessed God. He is goodness incarnate. That he is the fullness of, of all, hey, to pick, pick all, the, all the best words you have in the English language. Hey, put them all together with all the good words of every language. And they still fail to just describe the richness and the beauty and the grandeur of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That, that, that there is no language. There's not enough good words to describe God himself. That he is fully blessed. And again, it's not, it seems like there's, it's not something that he has like he has an overcoat called blessing that he wears once in a while. No, no, no. That, that is who he is. He is blessed. So if you need a mental image, uh, the one that I have is here's God sitting upon the throne. And we understand that God is everywhere. Okay, He's omnipresent. Okay, but it's, a, it's just an illustration. But it's like God is sitting upon the throne. And just emanating out of him is this blessing. It's like this fog or this mist or this haze that just surrounds him, that he just lives in a state of blessing. Why? Because he is the blessed God. And again, this adjective is describing who he is. So here is God sitting upon the throne and just emanating out of him is just a state of blessing that he constantly lives in. Why? Because he is blessed. So it's an adjective. Now it goes on from that and it says that this blessed God who has blessed us. It's a verb. It's actually a participle, but it's being used here as a, as a verb. Uh, it has this idea. Uh, so again, here's God sitting upon the throne and emanating out of him. God, God doesn't just have blessing, that he is blessedness itself. And here he is, it just oozing out of God is this state of blessing, this fog, this mist, this haze, or whatever. And it's like this blessedness grabs a hold of God and says, hey, you've got to do something about this. And this blessed God says, whoa, i got to do something. And what is he going to do? He's going to pronounce blessing. Because that's what a blessed God would do. He's already blessed. He's going to pronounce blessing. And you know that every time God does something, how does it God do it? He speaks it. That when God was creating the universe, he didn't go get his, you know, ten-penny nails and his hammer, right, and his tool belt. What did, he, what did God do? He spoke it. And isn't it a phenomenal thought that here is a blessed God who is sitting upon a throne. It's like he's in this haze or this mist of blessing. And it's just like this blessedness is so immense, it grabs a hold of him and just says, hey, you should do something about this. And God goes, all right, I'll do it. And what is he doing? He's pronouncing blessing. He has blessed us. That he is declaring forth blessing. And isn't it an interesting thought that a blessing, it's really just a revelation of him. That he's not just giving us, well, you know, I, I wear this overcoat called blessing, so I'll give you a piece of thread. It's called blessing. That, that's not what's happening in the passage. The idea is that blessing itself is such a part of who he is that he just can't help himself. So what is he going to do? He's going to pronounce blessing. And what is that blessing? Obviously himself. That what is God giving me in the midst of the blessing? Himself. Which, which brings even to that third part and this is emphasized even stronger, that here's this blessed God who is blessing us. And how is this blessed God blessing us? With every spiritual blessing. And by the way, the word there, spiritual, uh, in the context, is not talking about the content of the blessing as much as the source of the blessing. In other words, the blessing that God is speaking is really coming from the heart of God himself. In other words, he's sharing himself with you. 
Now, just for a moment here, think about this. Here's a blessed God who is sitting upon a throne. I know it's an illustration. But he's sitting upon a throne and just emanating out of him because he's so blessed. Is this, there's this fog or there's this haze of blessing. And it's like it grips him and says, hey, you've got to do something. And so he speaks forth blessing. And what is the blessing that he is speaking forth? Himself. So here I am now. I am blessed by God. Do you know what that causes in my life? See, if you truly are blessed by God, you cannot remain the same. It forces something within you. And just like, apparently, it's like blessing grabs a hold of God and says, hey, you should do something. Hey, when I live in blessing, when I live in his blessing, it's like it grabs a hold of my life and says, hey, you should do something about this. And do you know what it forces in my life? To turn toward him and begin to speak blessing. We call that praise. We call that worship. Why? Because I'm living in this state of blessing that he has blessed me with. And if I begin to realize that, wow, do you realize what God has done in my life? Do you realize that while I was yet a sinner, here I was shaking my fist in God's face, saying, hey, I want to do it my own way. God died for me. And if I began to realize the junk and the pollution that he has saved me from, that there's been a line drawn in the sand and I've stepped over it, and I am no longer that person, when I began to realize that, don't you think if we fully grasp the reality of our forgiveness, we would just live in a state of praise and adoration and thankfulness, wouldn't we? Wouldn't we just walk around going, wow, God is so good. Wow, this is so phenomenal. I'm forgiven. I am forgiven. I am That your whole life, as, as verse 6 and verse 12 and verse 14 says, is to be the praise, to be unto the praise of his glory. Well, how is my life going to be unto the praise of his glory when I live in that reality? So isn't it a fun thought that here is a blessed God who is speaking for the blessing upon you, and as that blessing that is being spoken upon you is actually himself, and I'm living in that reality of blessing, it forces me to turn toward him and we offer that back to him as blessing, worship, praise, and adoration. In other words, God is worshiping himself through me, if you want to say it that way. Because he's dumping blessing, which then turns itself back to him and say, whoa, this is all for you. And the blessing isn't for me, again, right? This isn't a selfish, ooh, I am blessed. Aren't, don't you wish you had this? That, this, that, that what this is, is that God has dumped out blessing, and now, yes, you are blessed. But that blessing is not merely for you. That blessing is to be turned and given back to him in praise and worship and adoration and blessing and thankfulness. Now, if you live that all the time, do you know what we'd have to call you? I think we'd have to call you a Christian. Because that's how a Christian lives. A Christian lives in this constant state of being blessed, that God is speaking forth blessing upon the, on a believer's life, and then that believer in turn re returns that back to God and saying, my whole life is for you, through you, to you, unto you, for your praise, honor, and renown. For it's, it's for your glory. And that I live, I get to participate in this state of blessedness. Why? Because God himself, who is blessed, is speaking forth blessing in my life, and as I live in that, that forces it to come out of my life back to him. I want to live in that all the time. Don't you? 
So again, as you go back to this idea of the blessing that God is speaking, it says he's blessing us with every spiritual blessing. That every spiritual blessing is ours. And again, spiritual there is not just talking about the content, like, ooh, it's, you only get spiritual stuff. It's not, that's not the idea. The, the idea of spiritual here is more of the source of it. It's coming from God himself. Now, <clears throat> I want to take this one step further. You realize, and, I, and I've already mentioned this, but it says that you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. And what's fascinating, in the Greek, that's singular. I found it really fascinating to me <clears throat> that as you begin to walk through verses 3 through 14, Paul's beginning to list all these blessings that you have. That you are chosen, that you are adopted, that you've been forgiven, you've been redeemed, you have the Holy Spirit. There's this whole list of blessings. And yet, it's like they are merely aspects of one key blessing. In other words, there's a whole list of blessings. But Paul says, it's not a whole list of blessings. Because you recognize that's not the whole list. There's not enough space to list all the blessings. Right? And there was, Paul's just giving you a small sample. And yet it's fascinating that what he does list is merely just, it's like they're aspects of a singular blessing. Uh, let me just see if I can say it another way. Uh, here's a blessed God who's sitting upon a throne and emanating out of him is this fog or this haze or this, this state of blessedness. And it's like it grips him and says, hey, you need to do something about this. So it forces, I mean, it just grabs hold of God and God says, okay, I gotta do something. And so he speaks forth blessing. And what is the blessing he's speaking? He's not giving you a whole list of blessings. He is speaking one single thing for your life. That you just need one thing. That's Jesus. And that is so key in this passage. And by the way, if you don't understand verse 3, you're going to totally misunderstand all the blessing, blessings that God has for you. If you misunderstand verse 3, you're going to totally misunderstand the whole section from verse 3 through 14. Because verse 3 sets the whole foundation for the blessing section. And what is verse 3 all about? There is one single blessing that God has for us as believers. What's that blessing? Jesus. That he is our blessing. So here's God. He's sitting upon a throne. And emanating out of him is just this state, this fog, this haze of blessing. And it's like one day, it just grabs a hold of a God and says, Hey, you blessed God, do something. And God goes, Oh, I think I will. And so what is the blessed God going to do? Oh, he's going to speak forth blessing. And what is the blessing that he is speaking forth in my life? Jesus. That everything that God has for me is found in one place. Jesus. That every goodness that God has for me is found in one place. Jesus. That everything God wants to do in my life is found in one place. Jesus. The solution to every single one of my problems is found in one place. Jesus. Are you getting this? 2 Peter 1.3, everything that we need for life and for godliness is found in one place. You'll never guess what it is. Jesus. For whatever reason, when I was growing up, maybe it was just that bad flannel board theology I learned in Sunday school, but there's something about growing up in Sunday school that I had a thought that God was more like a store clerk. See, so I, I had this thought that I, I'd come up to God and be like, uh, God, I, ha I, I, have a, I have a huge need. I really need some joy in my life right now. I just, I'm just lacking. I just need joy. Could you, is there any way you can give me some joy? And God goes, 
I think I have that. Hold, hold on one second. And he goes in the very back, and he grabs his jar called Joy. And he, and he puts the jar down and goes, <clears throat> uh, here's a tablet called Joy. And so I take the tablet, and I go, oh, this is amazing! I've got joy! This is awesome! And I run out the door. And it's not too far before I get out the door, but I, I begin to realize, oh, no. It's not joy that I needed. So I run back to God. I said, God, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Th- thanks for the joy. I mean, that's phenomenal. <laughs> it's not joy that I really need. I needed some peace because my life's kind of crazy. I need some peace. God goes, I think I, I think I have that too. Hold on. He goes in the back, grabs this jar called peace and puts it on the counter and pops me a pill. And I'm like, <gasps> and I leave, I leave and I, I go down the road. A few, I, I say, oh, no, it's not peace I needed. I run back. God, I need patience. Patience now. I need pa- Now, God, I need patience. Now. Right? And God goes, settle down. Settle down. Be patient. But I think I have that. And he goes back and grabs a jar called patience. Do you think that's how God functions? No. See, I, I run up to God. God, I need joy. Do you know what he's going to give me? He doesn't go to the back room and picks up a jar called joy and gives me a tablet. God, I need joy. Do you know what he gives me? Jesus. Who becomes the fullness of my joy. Psalm 1611. That at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. That he is the fullness of joy. I don't need something outside of Jesus. I need Jesus who becomes my joy. God, God, I, I need peace. Do you know what he gives me? He doesn't give me a pill called peace. He gives me the prince of peace who becomes the peace in my life. And that is so phenomenal. Why? Because half the time I have no idea what I need. See, I, I come up to God and say, God, I really need some joy right now. Please, could I have some joy? When I really needed peace. But isn't it phenomenal that I ask for joy, I get Jesus, and I get both joy and peace. In other words, the single solution for my life is not these little aspects out there. It's Jesus. And what we're going to, be, what we're going to discover as we can walk through this blessing section is that though there are blessings of the Father, there are blessings of the Son, there are blessings of the Spirit, yet all, every single one of the blessings that Paul is referring to in verses 3 through 14 find their fulfillment in one place called Jesus. That I'm adopted, where's that found? Jesus. I'm forgiven, where's that found? Jesus. Hey, I am chosen, where's that found? Jesus. That I've been given the Holy Spirit, where's that found? It's actually found in Jesus. That every single blessing that God has for you is not found out there somewhere like, oh, I hope I can discover it. Every single blessing that God has for us is found in Jesus Christ. Which means if I have Jesus, I have everything that I need. Hmm. That is so good. Which is why we, which was why Paul in Galatians calls that there's these fruits of the Spirit. And it's interesting that it's actually singular. It's a fruit of the Spirit. And there's a whole bunch of things. I thought they're fruits. No, it's fruit. One thing. Now, if you just had the one thing, there's a whole bunch of stuff that's going to spill out of your life. If you have Jesus, guess what spills out of your life? Jesus. Which is going to look like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. And against such things there is no law. But it's all found in one central place. Jesus. 
Wouldn't it be neat if you're going through a struggle, an issue, and your prayer wasn't, God, would you somehow calm this problem? God, would you somehow remove this situation? God, could you somehow deliver me? What if our prayer became, God, could you just give me more of Jesus? Somehow could I see him more clearly? Somehow, would you grow and expand in my life? Somehow. And it's not that the problem goes away, you realize. It's just, somehow, in light of Jesus, it just ceases to be a problem. I mean, it's still there. You still have to deal with it. <laughs> a flat tire is still a flat tire. And you're going to have to change it. But somehow, and we're going to talk about this next week, but somehow when you put Jesus in the midst of a flat tire, the flat tire is no longer a, oh, no, what am I going to do? Now it's an opportunity. And I begin to see my flat tire as a whole different reality. It's a whole, it becomes exciting. Because Jesus is smack dab in the middle of it. Wouldn't it be interesting if Jesus truly was all that we needed for life and for godliness? That I, it wasn't Jesus plus something. That's not Christianity. Christianity is Jesus and more and more of Jesus. And so often in the church today, we, we're searching for, I want Jesus, but then I also want this. Yeah, I'll, I'll take Jesus, but could I also have this? I mean, Jesus is fine and all, and I'll, and I'll take him because, you know, I, I can't get to heaven without him. But I mean, if Jesus, that's great. Set, set aside. Can I, can I have this? That's not Christianity, folks. Do you know what Christianity is? Jesus. Guess what your inheritance is? Jesus. I mean, I hate to burst your bubble, but there's, there's not mansions. I mean, I know the Southern Gospel songs have sung that for years, but that's not the word in the, in the scriptures. There's a dwelling place. And what's the dwelling place all about? The person you're dwelling with. Do you realize heaven is not going to be, you know, bouncing from you know, cloud to cloud and playing a harp, eating bonbons with no calories? I'm, that'll probably still be true. But, I mean, what is heaven going to all be about? A person. Which makes it heaven. Which is why eternal life doesn't start when you die. Eternal life starts now. Because eternal life is not just time. You realize good people, they live forever. Bad people, they live forever. It's not length of time, it's quality. Hell is forever, folks. Eternal life is not time. Eternal life is about intimacy. It's about a person. It's about life, the fullness of life. And he is the life. Do you begin to realize that everything is centered around Jesus? Which is why we keep telling you around here that your whole life must be built upon, centered around, focused on one single thing. His name is Jesus. And Paul in our passage is saying, oh, God has blessing for you. God, God here is this blessed God who just can't help himself. He's just, he's so delighted in the blessing that he is. He just goes, oh, I gotta do something. I just don't want to contain this to myself. And so what is this blessed God gonna do? He's gonna speak forth blessing upon us. And what is that blessing that he is speaking? Jesus, who's become everything that we need for life and for godliness. That this isn't Jesus plus, this is Jesus, 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 Jesus. If that was true, don't you think you'd just abandon everything and go after the one thing? 
I mean, if that really was true, wouldn't you just say, I think I should just go after the one thing? Which is why Jesus made those crazy notions. Like, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Quit worrying about all the other stuff. Go after the one. Uh, the writer of Hebrews says it this way. In Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, him as our only focus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Hebrews chapter 12. Hey, would you, would you just remove every focus in your life but him? And, and I understand, I understand, you, you, you got to work, you got to care for family. I'm not saying you abandon those things. But what would it look like in the middle of everything that you do throughout the day that Jesus was the center? That while I'm down at my job, Jesus was my focus down at my job. See, what would it look like if I'm at school that Jesus was the center of my schooling even while I'm sitting in the classroom? See, what would it look like if I'm hanging out with the family and Jesus was the very essence, the heartbeat of my family? See, what would it look like if I came to church and Jesus really was the center of the church? For his glory. I need that. And I, I just want to tell you this morning, you are blessed. This is good news. Tell your faces, this is good news. But that blessing is found in one place, Jesus. Would you go after him? Will you just freshly abandon yourself to the pursuit of one thing? And give every moment of the rest of your life to one thing, Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Lord, we need you. Oh, we need you. Every moment we need you. That, Lord, you're not just some mere overcoat that we put on and we take you off when it's uncomfortable. You are the one thing. And, Lord, oh, may we begin to realize afresh that we are blessed. Not in and of ourselves, because the best we can pull off is filthy rags. We are blessed in you. That you, the blessed God, is speaking forth blessing, and you are pronouncing blessing upon us, which is yourself. And that, in turn, should cause us to gaze afresh upon you and speak forth blessing, praise, worship, adoration, thanksgiving unto you. Lord, could our lives be all wrapped up in one single thing? You. May we be consumed and obsessed with one single thing? You. May this world know that we are just fixated on one thing. That when they look at us, they just go, wow, you just can't get off that one thing. Which is you. I think I'd have to be called a Christian at that point. Because, Lord, a Christian isn't one who just merely comes to church and checks it off a list. A Christian is one who is blessed, who finds their fulfillment and their satisfaction, their consumption, their obsession in one place, you. A Christian is someone who just fully abandons their life and goes after one thing, 
the rest of the life? You. So, Lord, would you grow? Would you expand in my life? Oh, I am blessed in Jesus. Lord, we want to turn that and bless you and praise you and worship you, not just in singing that we do once in a while. Lord, may our whole lives be under the praise of you. May everything that we say and do as we move forward in life just be under the praise of your glory. May we live in the shadow of your forgiveness and just bask in who you are and what you've done and what you're longing to do. What in a reality. Oh, what in a reality we get to live in of a blessed God who has blessed us. And we in turn get to praise and worship you. Bless you because you have blessed us first. We love you, Jesus. Love you in your precious name. Daily Thunder is a production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training and the Bravehearted Media Group. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and see it once again gain the stride of the Spirit emboldened and brave. The Daily Thunder video stream can be watched live daily at 8.15 a.m. Mountain Time, Monday through Saturday, and 7.15 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Join us at live.ellerslie.com. Please consider booking a stopover at the lovely Ellerslie campus at the foot of the majestic Rocky Mountains for one day, one week, one semester, or for an entire season. We hope to see you someday soon live and in person. Thanks for listening.